Happy Sabbath again, fam, and I want to greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please know that this is the day that the Lord has made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen, somebody. Do you realize that you don't have tomorrow? Do you realize that you don't have yesterday? All you've got is this day. And let us praise the Lord because, because of that. Today, I interrupt our regularly scheduled series to bring a special message. A lot of you have spoken about Russia. You've seen the posts on Instagram, on, on Twitter. You've watched the news feeds. Even Indonesia has sent a statement about its view on the war and the conflict between Ukraine and Russia. So today I, I want to address that issue with a special message called God has something to say. Like how Russia invades Ukraine, so the Assyrian Empire invades Israel, it invades Judah and Jerusalem. And here's the funny thing, God allowed it to happen. God wanted it to happen. And sometimes when we consider such ideas, we are a little bit flabbergasted. Lord, why are you operating in this way? Why would you do such a thing? To help us to understand what God has to say, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 10. And we're going to consider verse number 5 until verse number 19. I might read a, a little bit less verses. I might read a little bit more. We'll see what happens. This passage I'm reading to you is set within the context of Isaiah's call when he sees the glory of the Lord lifted up and then he is sent with the message to Ahaz to deliver and the situation is that interestingly Ahaz and Jerusalem they are leaning upon Assyria but Isaiah tells Assyria tells Ahaz Assyria is coming so watch out a very interesting situation and let us pick up the text in verse number 5 of Isaiah, <clears throat> chapter 10. Woe to Assyria. Woe to Assyria. Whenever you come across that terminology, just know that it's bad. Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger, the staff in their hands is my fury. So the rod of my anger and the staff in their hands is my fury is the same idea because Hebrew poems, they repeat ideas. And you're going to see this again and again as we're reading this particular passage. Against a godless nation, I send him. Against the people of my wrath, I command him. Again, the repetition of the same idea. To take spoil and to seize plunder, repetition again. And to tread down like the mire of the streets. But he does not so intend that he is Assyria here. That's why God is saying woe to Assyria. But he does not so intend and his heart does not so think. But it is in his heart to destroy hmm. and to cut off nations, not a few. For he says, this is what Assyria says, are not my commanders old kings? Is not Kaunor like Carchemish? Is not Hamath like Arpad? Is not Samaria like Damascus? As my hand has reached to the kingdoms of idols, whose carved images were greater than those of Jerusalem and Samaria, shall I not do to Jerusalem and her idols as I have done to Samaria and her images? My God speaks. When the Lord has finished all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, he will punish the speech of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the boastful look in his eyes. For he says, by the strength of my hand, I've done it. And by my wisdom, for I have understanding. I remove the boundaries of peoples and plunder their treasures. Like a bull, I bring down those who sit on thrones. My hand has found like a nest the wealth of the peoples. As one gathers eggs that have been forsaken. So I have gathered all the kings, so I have gathered all the earth, and there was none that moved a wing or opened the mouth or chirped. Here's what God asks, because Assyria is a little boastful. 
Shall the axe boast over him who heals with it? Or the sword magnify itself against him who wields it? As if a rod should wield him who lifts it, or as if a staff should lift him who is not wood. Therefore the Lord God of hosts will send wasting sickness among his stout warriors, and under his glory a burning will be kindled, like the burning of a fire. The light of Israel will become a fire, and his holy one a flame, and it will burn and devour his thorns and briars in one day. And the glory of his forest and of his fruitful land that the Lord will destroy both soul and body, and it will be as when a sick man wastes away. The remnant of the trees of his forest will be so few that a child can write them down. God has something to say. God has something to say. That is the topic I want to bring today. Let us pray. Father God, speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Being in ministry for the few years that I've been in ministry, I get messages. Some messages about births. Parents are happy. Pastor, we have a new baby. Please come and visit and pray. Some messages about deaths. And those are sad messages because it represents sadness. And even this week, we had a death. And I just want to let the Harris family know that we are standing with you and we are sad for your loss. Some messages about needs. Pastor, can you help? Some messages about counsel. Some messages about Lord, I, I need, Pastor, I would like to, to study. Now, I, I get messages in two ways. Some messages are direct messages. The person delivers the message directly to me. But some messages are indirect. I get the messages from somebody else. Whether I get the message directly, whether I get the messages indirectly, I try to respond. Here's what I have learned when I get a direct me message. The person considers my position as a pastor. The person sees me as somebody they, I can help. The person sees me as close. The person doesn't see me as busy. When I do not get a direct message, it can communicate a lot of things. Uh, the person maybe sees my position as a pastor and they do not want to burden me and they think I'm too busy. And there are many times when people say, Pastor, you, you're busy. You, you got so much going on. You don't have time for this. When I do not get a, a direct message, it can also say that maybe the person doesn't trust me or the person doesn't see me as close to them. So they're not going to approach me directly. But here's the beautiful thing about God. Whether you're close to Him or you're not close to him, God always directs or addresses his people. The state of your relationship with God does not determine how he will address you. God doesn't say, this person is not praying, therefore I'm not going to send him a message. God doesn't say, this person doesn't give, therefore I'm not going to send him a message. God doesn't say, this person hasn't been to church for a long time, therefore I'm not going to send him a message. God will still send a message to you. Amen, somebody. Talk back to me if you can. That you know that you have been sent messages by God when you were at your worst. You know that God spoke to you when you didn't want to speak to him back. That you know that that sermon came at a time when you didn't care about the things of God. Is there somebody here who can praise God? That your status, that your state, that your situation does not determine whether God sends you a message or not. God will send you a message because he simply loves you. He cares for you and he wants you to know what is going on. And so the first thing I want to say as we're considering God has something to say is that God always addresses his people first. And right now, I want you to walk with me in this poem that I read to you a little bit ago. Uh, the poem is startling. It is strange, but it communicates a wonderful message that I want you to pay attention to. The text says, woe uh, to Assyria, the rod of my anger, the staff in their hands is my fury. God hired Assyria. God hired them to do a special task. And the special task involved 
addressing a godless nation, or as the text says, the people of my wrath. As I told you, Hebrew poems repeat ideas. They emphasize ideas. So a godless nation in this text is the same as the people of my wrath. Uh, obviously, uh, this godless nation, this people of my wrath must be God's special people. And we know from reading the Old Testament, and if you do read the Old Testament, that God chose, he handpicked, he cherry-picked the nation of Israel. And he, he, he started with Abraham, and he went with Jacob, and he went to Joseph, and he went to Moses, and then he went to Caleb, and he went to Joshua, and he went to Samson, and he went to David, and he went to Solomon and, and in this nation was special in the eyes of God. But in this particular passage, God says they are a godless nation. They are a people of my wrath. God does not understand his own people. And God has a message to them. And he's sending the message through Assyria. A godless nation is an interesting adjective in the Hebrew because it describes a people that is no longer doing the will of God. It's not that these people do not know God, but they do know God, but they just don't want to do what God commands them to do. Come on, somebody. Talk back to me if you can. That some of us, we know the will of God, but yet we choose not to do the will of God. And I'm not just speaking about the will of God as it is specified in the Bible, stuff like uh, remember the Sabbath day or or give back your, 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 your money or uh, speak honestly. I'm not talking about that uh, that will of God, that is the will of God, but a godless person is that kind of person who counterflows when they know the right flow of traffic. A godless, a godless person is that person who underreports their taxes, underreports their earnings, and underreports their savings. A godless person is that person who adopts a lifestyle that is in contradistinction to everything that they know to be right. A godless person is that person who likes to spread rumors. And this is where the nation of Israel has become. And God says, you are a godless nation. In other words, you are godless. Think about that. Meaning that you have reduced God in your life. And is there somebody here who has reduced God in your life? That God is less in your planning. God is less in your thinking. God is less in your finances. God is less in your diet. God is less in how you manage your resources. God is less in your thinking. God is less in your talking. God is less in your watching. God is less in how you manage your relationship, relationships. God is less and less. And that's where Israel has. But God, even though they are godless, sends them a message through a Assyria, he would rather, he, he sends Assyria to attack them, to say to this godless nation, I want you to be more God-full. I want you to be more God-led, more God-spared, more God-inspired. And is there somebody here who needs to be God-led? You know that God is less in your life, but you, you want to bring him back in your life. You want to be the center of your life. And this Today is an opportunity where you can say, you know what? I want to be God full again. And so, and so watch this. As we're looking at this poem of Isaiah, God wanted his people to come back on track. And the message was, come back to me. And so one of the things you and I need to appreciate uh, when things happen in the world, as we're looking at the Ukraine situation, that is God addressing you and speaking to you directly. I know that Ukraine and Russia, they are many, many miles away. I know you have to get on the plane to get to those countries. I know that Vladimir Putin is not your president. I know that President Zelensky is not your president. I know that the Russian oligarchs are not the rich men of Indonesia. I understand that the Russian ruble is not the Indonesian rupiah. But please believe that the message is being sent by God all the same. God is asking you to check yourself. This is not a time to, uh, to talk about how bad it is in Russia, to talk about how bad it is in Ukraine. It's a time to begin the self-talk. It's time to analyze where you are in relation to your God. Here's what I need you to appreciate today. 
you could have been born Russian. You could have been born Ukrainian. And you would have been suffering like them and going through the situation. You could have been using the Russian ruble. You could have been a Russian oligarch today. But you are not. And you are not simply because God thought it better that you be Indonesian or you be Malawian in my case. Or you be Zimbabwean or you be Zambian or you be American. And the, the, the difference between the Ukrainians and the Russians is only circumstantial. Because God didn't see it so. And therefore, you and I need to check ourselves. Do we have despotic tendencies uh, like Vladimir Putin that we are willing to go against all common sense and attack a country that has less power than, than we do? And some of us, we wield power like Vladimir Putin. Are you like a Russian oligarch who has been working with the Russian president that you need to start doing things the right way? Well, I'm touching somebody right now. Are you in, 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 in a situation where like a, like a Ukrainian body, I mean, border guard that you need to allow African students to leave and to go to other countries that you have that opportunity to be able to be, to be fair and, and to be just. You see, this is a time for us to ask ourselves important questions. Is my belief in conjunction with my behavior? Is what I, I talk about in conjunction with my theology? Is my psychology determined by my theology uh, or when crisis happen I, I ditch my theology uh, when difficulties amass I do not no longer stick to what the word of God teaches uh, am I truly giving back to God everything that I should be giving back to God uh, am I managing my family wealth and my family life the the, the, the right way uh, am I leading as I should be leading or can I get a little bit, a little bit higher? You see, as we are looking at the Russian situation, God is asking you, he's addressing you. Where are you at today? And today I'm, I'm telling somebody, let the self-talk begin. Start to interrogate yourself. Start to question yourself. Start to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith or not. Uh, this is not a time to talk about them, to talk about their struggle. It's time for you and I to understand and to talk about ourselves because we make a critical mistake to look outside. We make a critical mistake to look over there, but rather we always need to look inside and not outside. We always need to look here and not over there. And some of us are too good at looking over there. Uh, you know what we do when we look over there? We, we take on this type of talk. You see, this message is good for my brother. They really need it. Oh man, if only my country could, could be better than, than, the, than the Russians. Oh, I think they, they need to get this. No, 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 no. If the message is being given, it, it, it certainly applies to you. It certainly means that you need to, to get it right. And you see in this poem when... God says, woe to Assyria, uh, the, the, when, when, when he says, the, the rod of my anger and the staff in, is in their hands. The, the funny thing is this. This is what God was trying to address with his people. That do not trust the Assyrians because Ahaz, who is the king at this particular time in the nation of, of Israel. And, and I hope you can fully appreciate what I'm trying to tell you now. Is that he had put his trust in the Assyrians, but yet God turned around the Assyrians towards him. Uh, basically trying to help Ahaz know that you cannot trust Assyria. The people that you're trusting to be there for you are going to take you out. And is there somebody listening to me who has trusted Assyria? Uh, come on now. Some of us have, have trusted Assyria in terms of people. Uh, we have relied totally on them. But what we see today is that they have backstabbed us and we have lost trust in them. Is there somebody who has trusted a job? 
to think that the job is going to sustain you and take care of you. But today you realize, oh my goodness, I've been fired. Is there somebody who has been trusting your bank account? Uh, you, you, you think because you got money, then, then you're good. But now the pandemic has hit and inflation has hit. And now your bank account has been hit. Come on, somebody. Talk back to me if you can. Uh, you see, a lot of times you and I, we, we put trust in things. We put trust in people. We put trust in governments. Uh, nobody thought Vladimir Putin would attack. Other governments never thought Vladimir Putin would attack. But he has attacked and he has made them look like fools. And here's somebody who's looking foolish today because you've put your trust in horses. You've put trust in government leaders. you put trust in spiritual leaders. But they've made you look like a fool. You see, the, one, the message that God is trying to send you and I today is that we should not trust people. We should not trust governments because they can let us down. But rather, our trust should be in the name of the Lord our God. And the beautiful thing is this, that the things that we trust, they are in the hands of God. Notice, Assyria is the rod in the hands of God. They're called a staff in the hands of God. They're a weapon that God is using according to this particular text, uh, which tells me that anything in this world is ultimately a weapon in the hands of God. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Did you hear what I just said? That the government of Indonesia is a rod in the hands of God. Uh, that the banking system is a rod in the hands of God. That the airline company is a, ha is a rod in the hands of God. That the shoe company is a rod in the hands of God. That the pastor is a, is a rod in the hands of God. That a church is a rod in the hands of God. That the road system is a rod in the hands of God. That any authority, that any power, that any person of strength is a rod in the hands of God. Therefore, you and I should not alter place our trust in the rod, but rather we need to place the, our trust in the one who handles the rod, the one who maneuvers the system. And therefore, no matter what they do, they're ultimately under the sovereign power of God. You and I should not worry. You and I should not cry about what's going to happen in Ukraine and in Russia, because ultimately God is going to see it through. He knows the end game. He knows what is going to happen. And ultimately he understands the outcome of this situation and therefore you and I can sleep at night to understand that he's going to take care of the situation we need to pray for them we need to encourage them if we can do something yes we should we should do something but please understand that these governments these world powers are simply rods in the hands of God and for me that makes me sleep at night that makes me sleep at night because they are a rod in the hands of God. I want to walk you a little bit more into this particular text for you to appreciate uh, what is uh, God's concern. Uh, he's not only speaking to his people to get their lives in order. He's not only telling them not to trust Assyria, uh, but he's trying to address something else uh, in this particular situation because in Ahaz's trust of Assyria, he had to pay heavy taxes. And that created uh, a shift in the social economic status of many in, in the nation. No, track with me for a moment. You, you're going to get this and appreciate this for a moment. Uh, you see, the economy of Jerusalem and Judah at this particular time, Jerusalem is the capital and Judah is the country. Uh, their economy was based on farming. It was it was an agricultural, an agricultural economy. Lord, help me speak out these words. But because of leaning on Assyria for protection, Ahaz had to pay heavy taxes. Guess where he got the taxes from? From the people. And one of the things that was so devastating was that in order for people to finance this protection from Assyria, they had to sometimes give up their lands. So many people lost their lands. They could no longer farm. So people became poor. But you know how it is when a, a, an economy is struggling. It doesn't mean that all people are struggling because some people are earning money and, and they're living a good life. And some people in, in Israel were living a good life. They were amassing lands 
and they were producing cash crops like grapes and wheat in order to finance the protection of Assyria. And what this created was poverty in, in the nation. And so God is sending the Assyrians to Ahaz in order to stop this social injustice, in order to stop this social stratification, in order to stop this unfair treatment of their own people. And it is possible, brother and sister, that a government, that a nation, that a family, that a community can mistreat its own people. And God never ever looks at that lightly uh, because we understand from the word of God that you cannot love God and yet hate the people that you see. Your love for God is demonstrated in your fair treatment of people. It's demonstrated in people feeling like they have their rights being preserved. It's demonstrated in people having a voice to be able to declare their stances. And so it matters a lot to God when people are being mistreated. And so God patch the Assyrians so that he could check the social injustices within the nation of Israel, within the nation of Judah, within the capital city of Jerusalem, the foundation of peace. And one of the messages I know that is clear that we need to take we need to take today is where are we dealing with people? How are our relationships looking like? How is our social dynamics? How are we treating the people closest to us? Because that matters a lot to God. And God will do all it takes in order to address social issues, in order to make sure that people are taken care of. And so the Assyrians were sent for this important reason, because God would not allow his people to be mistreated. And please understand, if you're under mistreatment or somebody is treating you unfairly, God pays attention. God is going to handle the situation. You don't have to worry about it. God knows what's going on. He has recorded it. And just like he told Assyria, woe to you, Assyria. He's telling anybody who is mistreating you, whoa, 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 whoa. You are out of bounds, my brother. You are out of bounds, my sister. I will check you. I will take care of the situation. So I want to continue walking with you in this particular text. And the second point I want to drop to you is this, as we're walking through this text. It is this. God avails evil for his just purposes. As you can see, the text says, woe to you, Assyria. We have already understood that Assyria was employed and under God's leadership. They were being directed and used by God. Oh, yeah. And now when you avail something, it means that you're using it for your benefit. That is why many of you have gone to, to the Puskesmas because the government is giving free vaccinations and you have availed of that. It's been beneficial to your health. And praise the Lord that some of, some of you have been vaccinated and the, the, the virus hasn't attacked you as, as bad. You avail of the promo when you buy one and get one free. And so God avails of evil for his just purposes. When he says woe to you Assyria, he's highlighting the fact that Assyria is evil. They are terrible. And I just want you to understand how evil uh, they were. And I want to pick up the words of Ashur Nasipal II, who was a king in Assyria. And this is what he said after attacking a nation. Check this out. In strife and conflict, I besieged and conquered the city. I fell 3,000 of their fighting men with the sword. I captured many troops alive. I cut off some of their arms and hands. I cut off others, their noses, ears and extremities. I gouged out the eyes of many troops. I made one pile of the living and one of heads. I hung their heads on trees around the city. Ugh. That's evil. And that's why God said, woe to you, Assyria, because they were evil. Look at what this king is saying. Ashur Nasipal II, I gouged out their eyes. I piled their dead. I put them here and then I put their heads over and then I hung their heads all over the city. That, that, that's, that's cruel. That's, that's, that's evil. Look at King Sennacherib, And we read about him in scripture. Notice what he says. I cut off their throats like lambs. 
I cut off their precious lives as one cuts a string. <sighs> like the many waters of a storm, I made the contents of their gullets and the entrails run down upon the wide earth. The gutted people, man. My prancing steeds, harnessed for my riding, plunged into the streams of their blood as into a river. <sighs> the wheels of my war chariot, which brings low the wicked and evil, were bespattered with blood and filth. With the bodies of their warriors, I filled the plain like grass. Their testicles I cut off. I tore out their private I tore out their privates like the seeds of cucumbers. Reading that just makes me feel a certain kind of way. This, this, this is evil. Yet these are the people that God employed for his address to his people. These are the people that God sent to the Israelites. And now, now can you imagine why Jonah never wanted to go to Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrians? Can, can you imagine why? Can you imagine why Nahum in his prophecy says, that Assyria is terrible because they were the terrorists of the, the ancient world. They, they could do evil. And, and yet these are the people that God employed. And these are the people that God allowed to attack his own people. And this is, is, is what was uh, trickulating and, and coming up in my mind that God avails evil for his own just purposes. He, he, he uses people that are that are wicked he uses people that have no moral compass to still accomplish his ends and right here brother and sister this is this is good news this is not bad news uh w w watch with me right now uh because it means that god can use uh, he can use a mass shooting and he can use a mass murder for his own just purposes you and i look at mass shootings and we look at uh, mass murders and we are flabbergasted and we wonder uh, why people do such kind of things but God looks at that situation and he can turn it around for his own just purposes God can use that accusation that has been leveled against you for his own just purposes come on now somebody talk to me if you can uh, God can can use the fact that you've been fired unfairly for his own just purposes and God is using the situation in Ukraine and Russia for his own just purposes. God is using the fact that people are being invaded right in front of our eyes for his own just purposes. And this is to show you and I that God is never daunted by evil. And that God is able to turn it around for his own good. Uh, yes, Assyria is bad. Assyria was cruel. Uh, but, but, but notice that the Israelites themselves were acting in a wicked way. The Israelites themselves were not treating their own people well, and therefore it was a worse situation for an Israel to be cruel than an Assyria to be cruel. You understand what I'm saying? In God's estimation, he would rather uh, a non-believer be cruel, but he doesn't like it when believers are cruel. Are you following what I'm saying? And therefore he employed the Assyrians because he wanted to address the evils in his own nation. Because he had a just purpose. You see, a C-section is employed when there is danger to a mother and a baby. And, and, and when a doctor is assessing a woman who is about to give birth, uh, they will do a C-section if these conditions are present. If a woman has a PC, CPD, a C-section is required. If a woman has had a previous C-section, then a C-section will be done. If a woman is carrying more than one child, a C-section sometimes is required. When the placenta is in, they call it placenta previa, a C-section is required. When there's a transverse lie, a C-section is required. When there's a breach presentation, a C-section is required. Now, now, doctors uh, must reason out that they need to save mother and baby by cutting the mother. In other words, they must inflict pain before they can accomplish their just purpose of preserving life and bringing life. Pain is therefore necessary to be inflicted 
And so please understand that God operates much in the same way. That sometimes God must inflict pain in order to accomplish a just purpose. The method may look cruel. We may not understand the workings of God. It may not make sense to our proclivities, our sensibilities. It may, may, it may not make sense to our human rights thinking and our protection. It may not, it may not make sense in our eyes. But please understand that in God's estimation, whatever method he chooses, whatever method he uses, is going to accomplish a just purpose. And is there somebody here who is praising God that when it doesn't look just, it is still just. When it doesn't look right, it's still right. When it doesn't feel all right, it's still all right. Because God's ways are higher than your ways. Because God's ideas are better than your ideas. Because God knows the end from the beginning. From the beginning. Because God is still King of kings and Lord of lords. And so you may not understand how things are going down in your life. You may not understand why you've had to suffer loss for so long. You may not understand why you've been fired unnecessarily. You may not understand why at the age of 60 you're alone. You may not understand why you're still struggling in financial debt. You may not understand why your neighbors are still living large, though they don't live large for God. You may not understand why you're still suffering the disease. You may not understand why you're still struggling in that pain. You may not know why the habit is still choking you by the neck. But please understand God knows why and he understands it. And he is interested in accomplishing something greater and better and nicer and greater in your life. And you and I simply need to trust God and to know that he's going to take care of the situation. And let me drop something to you right now. That is how the gospel operates. Because God had to use evil in order to save us. You know that, right? <laughs> you know that, right? Don't, don't you know? <laughs> Adam and Eve decided to be evil and they ate a fruit. <laughs> So Jesus had to become a man in order so that he can save us. Jesus had to suffer through hunger. Jesus had to be criticized by his own nation. Jesus was put to death on the cross. And that's God's way of saying evil does not stop me, but rather I use evil to accomplish my purposes. God had to allow Jesus to go through that so that he can save me. And I want to read to you the words of Peter uh, to just back up this idea that I'm trying to drop to you right now. That the gospel happened because God knew how to work through evil. God knew how to go around it. God knew how to use it for his glory. Peter's uh, talking in Acts chapter 2, verse 22. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. God loosed him because it's not possible for him to be held by death. Hey, can you see what Peter is saying? You crucified Jesus to stop him. You put him on the grave to stop him, but it was not possible. To be held by it. And so please understand, it is not possible for evil to stop God. It is not possible for God to run away from evil. Because God is able to make good out of evil. <laughs> Come on, talk to me if you can. God is able to make good out of bad. God is able to turn disease into health. God is able to turn a prostitute into somebody who is pure. God is able to take an alcoholic and make him sober. Amen, somebody. God is able to make a persecutor into a preacher. I don't know what evil you face in your life today, but God is able to use it for his own just purposes. And so when you face evil, please understand that you can continue. Please understand that you can love your enemies in spite of it because your God is able to avail of the evil for his own just purposes. Amen, somebody. When somebody has spoken negatively against you, 
You can still smile because you know God is able to turn negative into a positive. And when somebody is speaking bad on your kids, speaking bad on your family, speaking bad on your gifts and your talents, uh, you understand that God is able to turn that bad speak into good speak. And so evil is not a problem for God. Disease is not a problem for God. Death is not a problem for God. Ukraine and Russia is not a problem for God. Uh, the South China Sea conflict is not a problem for God. A disobedient child is not a problem for God. A parent who doesn't want to listen is not a problem for God. Uh, evil is not a problem for God because God is a maneuver. He's a mastermind uh, before. Uh, he's a mastermind behind evil. And that's what God is saying to you. And so when you're going through evil, just understand that God has something to say. <laughs> and the message is, I got it under control. The message is, I'm going to take care of the situation. And so you and I do not need to be disturbed. We don't need to be perturbed. We don't need to be curbed in our faith. We need to continue moving. Talk to me if you can right now. Put it in the chat. Believing that God is going to take care of you. And your situation. So let me walk with you in the text a little bit more. This poem that I've just tried to put together. I mean, this not I didn't put it together. Forgive me. Isaiah put it together. And I, I want to look at verse number 12. And this is this the other idea I want to bring up. Uh, that is, God attacks evil as part of his just purposes. Uh, look at verse number 12. When the Lord has finished all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, he'll punish the speed, the speech of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria. The boastful look in his eyes. I walked with a friend once and while we were walking from a distance, I could see that there's a snake. But my friend couldn't see that there's a snake. So I wanted to be a little bit funny that as soon as we got closer, I would mention that there's a snake. And sure enough, we got close and I mentioned there's a snake. My friend literally took her shoe and beat a dead snake. And in that, that moment, I realized that this person really hates snakes. Uh, there is something that God really hates and that is evil. God hates evil and he attacks it because it, 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 it goes against his nature and it goes against his just purposes. And, and I want you to see that in this text, God says, when I'm done working on Jerusalem and, and Judah, I will punish the arrogant speech of the heart of the king of Assyria. I will punish his boastful look because arrogance and boasting is, is evil. And right here, God is, is helping us to understand uh, through this particular situation that uh, evil always has its day in court. And like a defendant who gets a guilty sentence, the guilty sentence for evil is the death penalty. God intends to attack. God intends to annihilate evil. And I want you to understand today that the evils that we see today, God is going to attack them. The evils that we see going on today, God is going to deal with them. The evils that have been perpetrated against you, the unfairness that you have felt, the distrust that you've been under, God is going to find a way to attack those for his just purposes. God has not not noticed it. God has not not heard what they've spoken against you. He has seen it all. And so you and I can take courage to understand that one day God is going to take up the situation. We just need to hang on, hang out and chill out. God is going to deal with the issue because evil in any form, evil in any form, is an affront to God's character and to his purposes. So God says to Assyria, I will punish them. I will take them out. I will handle them. Uh, but notice what the text says. He says, when the Lord has finished all his work. So, so, so meaning, watch this, meaning that before God could deal with Assyria, he had to deal with Jerusalem and Judah. He had to deal with his own people first. Uh, so, so, so this means that God has priorities. God handles situations 
in a specific order. And that is why you and I get tripped up a lot of times because uh, we don't see God coming through for us when things are difficult. We don't see God change the situation as we certainly change it. The reason for that is that God is working on something else. God is working on something else. And therefore he will, he will handle one thing first before he gets to the other first. It's not that he has forgotten that they fired you in a wrong way. It's not that he's forgotten that you've been spoken against. It's not that he's forgotten that you have been, you've been treated, you've been treated unfairly. It's not that he's forgotten that you, the, the, the doctor did malpractice on you. It's not that he forgot that you got dumped in, in an unfair way. It's not that he forgot that so-and-so cheated on you. It's not that he forgot that somebody swindled your money. No, it's not that he forgot. But God is working on something else first. But because, as I told you already, Israel was wicked. And God could not afford to have a believing nation wicked. And then an unbelieving nation wicked. So what's going to happen? So he had to sort out his people first before he could sort out Assyria. And so please understand that God is working on it. He's working on something. And right here, I love the particular passage because it says when God had finished all his work. Right here reminds me of Genesis because in Genesis, uh, the Bible says when God finished all his work, he rested. And we know when we look at Genesis that God did something on the first day. God did something on the second day. God did something on the third day. God did not do the work of the first day on the fourth day, like some of us, God did not procrastinate. God was working in order. Amen, somebody. Which tells me that God has a system. God has a plan. God has a strategy. He's not going to go in front of that strategy. When the fullness of time comes, you're going to see him operate. I see parents sometimes. When a kid throws a tantrum, they jump up. When a kid says, mommy, I want candy. They run to the store and buy candy. I saw this video, uh, Pastor Sam sent it to me, uh, is it a few days ago? And this kid wanted a bag of chips and he ripped the bag of chips and put it in the, in the cart and the mom had to buy it. You, you, you see how the, the, the kid treated his mom and said, mom, I want a bag of chips, therefore, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to make you pay for this thing. I'm going to rip it up and throw it in the basket. And some of, some of our children, some of your kids, they, they do that and, and you, you bow down to them. God doesn't operate that way. Not every tantrum you throw to God will receive his time. Not every complaint you make will he comply in it. God will make you wait. He's not going to jump. He, he's, he's not going to, uh, to, to trip up because you're tripping. God is not going to speed up because you are stressed. You know how some of us, we stress other people because we are stressed. If we are not having a good day, others need to have a bad day. No, God brushes off your, your moods and your tantrums like dirt on his shoulder. He's working on it. You got to chill. And, and the problem is that when it's not happening, we, we start to question God, Lord, how long? How long, Lord? How long? Like, like David, we say, Lord, how long will you look on this and not do anything? Lord, don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you see my struggle? Don't you see how difficult it is? Don't you see how challenging it is? We, we ask like this, Lord, how long will you forget me forever? Lord, you are, you're forgetting me. Like, like, why am I being passed over the promotion? Why am I not getting married? Uh, Lord, why is, am I still living hand to mouth? Lord, why am I still alone? Lord, why is the disease still here? Lord, how long do I have to go through this? Some of us will say, Lord, how long will my honor be turned into shame? Lord, how long am I going to be disrespected like this? Lord, why, why, why? How long am I going to go through this? And here is my answer to you. However long God needs is however long you need to go through it. However long God needs is however long you need to go through it. And you need to get good with that. Because God is moving in a specific purpose. He's moving in a specific plan. And that's what God is saying to somebody today. Chill out. Don't stress. Just because you saw uh, Putin uh, bombing Ukraine doesn't mean that the end of the world is coming. 
It doesn't mean that the prophecies of the Bible are being fulfilled right there. No, it doesn't mean that. Uh, chill out with your prophetic declarations. Chill out with stressing people about the crisis and not focusing on the Christ. Ooh, I just told, I just touched somebody right there. Uh, we need to understand that God is working on it, that God has a plan, that God has a purpose, because God is like a builder who first fixes a foundation before he puts on the walls, before he puts on the roof. So God often deals with foundational issues first before he looks at wall issues and roof issues and furniture issues and piping issues and plumbing issues. And some of our issues may not be foundational, therefore God may not deal with them just yet. They may be pipe issues. You can still live in a house without pipes, but you can't live in a house without a foundation. So God will try to fix those foundation issues first, then deal with the other issues. And this is not to say that your issues are not important. It's simply to say that God wants to fix root causes so that they do not destroy the building. They, they do not destroy your life. And therefore, when things go wrong, when we see evil around us, we simply need to say, you know what? God is doing something. God is working on it. Eventually, he's going to come. I'm going to see him come. As I walk you through this text one last time, I want to bring up this, this concept, and it is this. You see, God attains his purposes via instruments. That is, when he's working on something, he will do it via, via instruments. You see, Assyria was an instrument. Ukraine is an instrument. Russia is an instrument. The Indonesian government is an instrument. Pastors are instruments. Jakarta Central Church is an instrument. This worship online service is an instrument. Facebook, YouTube is an instrument. And God often attains his purposes via instruments. God does nothing unless he uses instruments. But Assyria forgot that they were an instrument in the hand of God and therefore they became cruel. Therefore they could, they could talk like this in verse number 8 to 11. Watch how they talked. Are not my commanders, O kings? Is not Kauno like Carchemish? Is not Hamath like Arpad? Is not Samaria like Damascus? As my hand has reached to the kingdoms of idols, whose carved images were greater than those of Jerusalem and Samaria, shall I not do to Jerusalem and her idols as I have done to Samaria and her images? So you see right here, Assyria thought it was not an instrument. They thought they were doing it on their own. They forgot that God was the one maneuvering. And I would like to contend to you that the reason why Putin has invaded Ukraine is because he doesn't understand that he is an instrument. And the reason why people mistreat you because they don't understand that they are they're instruments. We are instruments in the hands of God. And unless somebody is working behind us, we're not going nowhere. Boeing 737 is a wonderful plane. Uh, forgive Boeing for the crash that happened here in Indonesia through Lion Air, but the plane is an amazing feat of engineering. See, the, the, the airplane has wingtips that reduce vortex drag. Basically, when a plane is about to take off, uh, the, 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 the air, the, the wind puts a drag on, on, on the body of the plane and this requires the plane to use more fuel and more energy. But Boeing found a way to create wingtips that would reduce the drag, the vortex drag, so that as the plane is taking off, it is not using a lot of energy and therefore preserving fuel. They also put on the, 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 the plane, Boeing put on CFM International Leap IB engines, which allows the aircraft a range of 7,000 7, kilometers. That is, you can fly from Jakarta to Tanzania nonstop. And it can do that while carrying 200 
and four passengers. It is a powerful machine, but yet a Boeing 737 needs a pilot. Even its autopilot needs a pilot to turn it on. Are you catching what I'm throwing at you? That is, you and I are like Boeing 737. We have the capability to think. We have the capability to act. We have the capability to walk. But yet, in Jesus, we live, we move, we have our being because of him. It is never the alarm clock that wakes you up. It is because of him. It is because of his desire to see you live, to accomplish something for the day. That is why, that is why God wakes you up. When you're able to calculate and make sure that the credit and the debits reconcile, it is not because you have acumen for mathematics, but because God planted that acumen in you. And therefore, you are able to demonstrate that capability because of God. When you see the pastor inspire you with the word of God, and you wonder how he was able to take the text and make it come alive, it is not because the pastor's ability to understand Hebrew and Greek and to be able to structure the text and to be able to come up with the key principles and come up with illustrations. No, it is because God is using his mind, is using his body to be able to do that. It is not because of this live streaming service that you're able to catch a, a sermon, but it is because God inspired uh, the, the founders of YouTube and those who develop internet to be able to give us this connection because God knew that in 2022, there'll be a pandemic and people will not be able to worship together. Therefore, they need something to still be able to accomplish worship. And I'm going to make sure that happens. So brother and sister, you and I, should never forget our instrument status. And if there's anything God is saying to you and I today, is that we are instruments in his hands. And he's got the whole world in his hands. And he's going to do everything possible because he is in charge and he's in control. And you and I should never forget who we are. You and I should never forget what we are. And like Jesus, we need to be able to say, I can do nothing on my own strength. I can do nothing on my own power, but it is because of God working in me. It is because God using, using me. That is why I'm doing what I can. I just want to read verse 15 as I'm landing this plane and as I'm about to take my seat. Shall the axe boast over him who hews with it? Or the soul magnify itself against him who wields it? As if a rod should wield himself who lifts it? Or as if a staff should lift him who is not would. God is asking you and I, do not forget that you are an instrument. Do not forget that you are something I'm using. Be humble enough and not be proud enough. And is there somebody today who needs to remember their instrument status? That you're simply an axe in the hands of God. You've been too proud thinking about your capabilities, thinking about your talents, thinking about your abilities, but yet you realize that, no, I'm an instrument in the hands of God. Anything around me is an instrument in the hands of God, and there's no way that I should be boasting and being proud to God. See, God laughs when we are proud and we boast. He laughs when we say, oh, tomorrow I'm going to do this and that. And he's like, well, don't you know that today is a day to go? You see, you're an instrument in the hands of God. And here's the good news. When you understand that you're an instrument in the hands of God, God is going to help you to do amazing things. And is there somebody here who needs to say, I want to be an instrument in the hands of Jesus. I want to give my life over to him. I want him to be Lord and Savior of my life. I want him to help me to cut down uh, the, the, the wickedness of the devil. I want him to help me to cut down the wickedness in my own life. I, I want to get away from all the evil in my life. I want to live my life dedicated to God. I want you to understand that Jesus is more than ready and willing to accept you to be an instrument in his hand. And we can get you ready and prepared to be that instrument in the hands of God. And if you are desirous to be baptized on March 26th, we're going to do it. That is a few days, a few weeks from now. 
we can be we can help you to be prepared and to be ready so that you can truly be an instrument in the hands of God but if there's anything God is saying to you and I today is this humble yourself in my sight trust me let me lead you and I'm going to take you to the places you need to go every head is bowed every set of eyes is closed as we pray father God thank you for your word today we know that we are instruments in your hands and you have told us what's up and we believe it and we trust it. And we would like to ask you to please take us to where we need to go. We love you. We trust you. And we believe in you. And all of this we humbly pray in your name and in your power. In Jesus' mighty name I humbly ask all of this. Amen. If that word spoke to you, respond. And you can do that on the number on the screen. Reach out to us. Tell us what you need. Is it prayer? Is it counseling? Is it Bible study? Is it preparation for baptism? Tell us and we are more than happy to reach out to you. Has the Lord inspired you to partner with us in ministry? You can do that as well by giving any amount of your choice in the account number on the screen. We believe that Jesus is coming soon. And one of the ways we want to help the coming of Jesus happen is to prepare you. And you can partner with us and help us to be able to do this mission. So do not withhold what the Lord has blessed you with. Do not withhold what the Lord is asking you to give because somebody may just be saved and be a part of the kingdom because of your gift. May God bless you. And I'm going to see you soon. And take care.